This is a story I heard many years ago from the great traveller storyteller Stanley Robertson. At the time, Stanley and Lawrence Tullock and me were telling stories in Shetland together. And uh, Stanley told this story, I always remember it, and then I found it in a book after that, that from a recording made by Stanley. It's called The Angel of Death. Now, there was a couple or travellers who lived up at Ballater in Deeside. And they usually kind of stayed around that area, but they travelled as well. And they were fairly well off. The guy was called Big Davy MacDonald, and his wife was called Maggie. Now, the two of them had a son called Choney. And they lived and travelled in a lovely caravan. It was a beautiful horse-drawn caravan, and it was all painted green, and it was decorated beautifully in gold and silver. And inside it, everything was hung with gold and silver and copper and all polished up and looking beautiful. And they called it the Evening Star because it used to glint under the, in the moonlight and look so beautiful. Now, Chawney had got to be about twelve years of age, and it was decided that, you know, at that time, twelve was when traveller laddies would start to go out and earn a living for themselves, get a bit of independence. Now, his father was a silversmith and a goldsmith and a tinsmith. He made anything with metal, and he made a beautiful job of it. He had a wonderful hand on him, and he made lovely things. But Johnny was just brought up to learn how to sell things. And he would travel around with a, a basket with some of his father's metalwork and also stockings knitted by his mother. And he would sell them either for money or trade them for food. So he was heading around the whole area up D-side and selling things, bartering away, making a living. And at night he would come back to the caravan, to Evening Star, and they would share out what they'd, they had then, and he would have his supper. So, Now, one day he'd travelled a bit further than he'd intended to, and so he, he was a good nine or ten miles away from the campsite when it was starting to get dark, and he was thinking, I'm going to have to get home. I've left this too late now. And also the weather was turning too. It didn't look too promising. So he's walking along the road. By this time it's dark. And there's no moon. And he's going along the road as best as he can. When he heard a sound coming from along the road. A long way off. It was the sound of a horse and carriage. Now, he knew all about horses and carriages, and he could tell when he listened to it, when it got a bit nearer, that there was many feet pulling it, and it sounded like it was a big carriage. Now, <clears throat> the only way that he could get a lift in those days wasn't standing on the side of the road and sticking your thumb out like, you know, you would do these days. He had to get in the middle of the road and wave down the carriage. 
And it came around the corner, and despite the fact it was dark, he could see that it was a huge big vehicle, and it was being pulled by six white horses. And there was a man sitting up in the driver's seat, and he had the reins with him, and he was directing steering the horses. So Johnny stands in the middle of the road, and he waves his arms at him, and the driver pulls the horses up and stops them. And he said, What do you want, laddie? I wonder if you could give me a lift to Ballater, he said. I've kind of left it a bit late, and it's, it's, you know, it's dark now, and the weather's turning. Aye, aye, chump up here alongside me, laddie, he says. You can keep me company while I go along. I'm going to Ballater, but I've got a few collections to make first before we go. Oh, that's fine, he said. So he climbed up alongside the man, and he's chatting away to him, and the man seems a very, you know, very cheery person, and they're having a good blether back and forth. Now, there's a wee window at the, just behind where the, the, the driver was sitting, so that you could see into the carriage. And he looked into the carriage, Johnny, and he saw that there was a young woman sitting in there, all dressed in white. And he thought, well, must be going to a ball or something. Maybe he's picking other people up and taking them to a big house. But, anyway, they carried on going, and then they turned up a small, quiet side road. And the driver said, you just wait here. And he went into the house, and he came out, with another woman. This was an older woman, and she was quite plump. And she went out and headed towards the carriage. Now, Johnny, being a friendly sort of a guy, said, Hello, missus. How are you doing tonight? No answer. Nothing. She didn't look at him, paid no attention to him. The driver opened the door. She climbed into the back of the carriage. Johnny looked through the window. She sat down next to the girl that was in the carriage, but she never spoke to her. Neither of them spoke. And he thought, that's strange. Normally you would say, good evening. You know, I mean, you could ignore me, but the other person in the carriage? Why would you ignore them? Well, anyway folk or folk, so off they went, carried on along the road, they turned up into another little quiet little side road, little track up to another house, and then the driver got down off the carriage and he went to another house, and he came out, and there was an old man with him, and he opened the door, and the old man climbed into the carriage as well, and sat down next to the next to the women. Off they went. They went to another house, and the driver went in, and he came out, and this time he had a beautiful young woman with him. And again she was dressed in a long white gown, and she had long auburn hair all in ringlets. She was very beautiful, and he opened the door, and she climbed into the carriage, took a seat, and then they headed off again, off into the night. Now they'd ridden for a wee while, and they turned up another wee side road, 
nothing more than a track, really. And they arrived at a small cottage. And the driver said, I'm a wee bit early, Johnny, so <clears throat> you just sit here, and I'll be back out in about five minutes. So the driver got down off the carriage, he went into the house, and Johnny just sat there on his own, while the night was changing, the weather was deteriorating, and it started a fine mist rain, that fine drizzle that just soaks you to the bone. So he decided that this was getting a bit cold and a bit chilly for sitting up there, exposed, because where the driver's seat was was right at the front of the carriage, and it was in the open air. So he decided that the best thing that he could do was to get in the carriage with the rest of the people. At least he'd be sheltered there. So he climbed down and he opened the door and he got into the carriage and he sat down because there was still plenty of room there and he said, Good evening, folks. Nothing. No reply. None of them even looked at him. Oh, brr, he says, it's, uh, it's a cold night out there now. Nothing. Not a thing. Nobody spoke. And he looked at these people, and there was something about them that disturbed him a great deal. It was their eyes. Their eyes were glazed. There was no sparkle in them at all. Well, he thought, maybe these are people that are going to a local sanatorium or something, you know. But he decided that there was something about the feeling inside that carriage that he did not like one little bit. So he opened the door and he got out the carriage again, and he headed off to the shelter of the house. He thought he would just shelter under the house and wait there until the driver came back. Now, there was a window there, and there was light on in the window, and when he looked through the window, he could see that the light was coming from a tilly lamp, that was hanging from the ceiling. And there, in bed, was an old man, and standing at the foot of the bed, there was a woman, in tears, weeping away, and standing next to her was a minister. And he could hear the minister saying, Well, he's gone to a better place now, my dear. And he realised that, Oh, what a time to look through the window! The man's just newly dead. And then the door opened, and the minister and the wife never noticed that the door had opened, but in came the driver of the coach. And he beckoned to the corpse on the bed. He beckoned it to come with him. And the corpse seemed to sit up, swing its legs out the bed, and then walked out the door and followed the driver. Choney ran back to the coach and climbed back up next to the driver's seat. And then it dawned on him, <clears throat> this was the angel of death. This was death riding and gathering up the, de the dead from that evening. Well, 
he decided that it was best for him not to let on to the driver that he knew who he was. So he sat there silently. The driver came up, opened the door of the coach. The old man climbed inside, and then he closed the door, climbed back up in his seat, spurred his horses on again, and off they went. Now, he says, now I can take you home, because now I'm going to Ballater. Well, <clears throat> Johnny didn't really feel much like talking to the driver after that, now that he knew who he was. But the thing was, the driver was a really cheery guy. He was actually quite good company. And so, you know, they got chatting away, and they were laughing away together, and, you know, it was and fine, he was passing the time lovely. Well, they got to just outside Ballater, about half a mile for the village, and Johnny says to the driver, I can get off here, thanks very much. He actually wanted to get off that coach as quick as he could. He said, I can, I can run from here. I, I'm, uh, this is just about where, I'm, where I live. So, ah, oh, no problem at all, said the man, and he pulled up the horses. And he said, right, well, thank you for the, for the lift, said Johnny. No problem at all, laddie, said the death, said the angel of death. No problem at all, laddie, he said. I'll, uh, I'll be seeing you again. Me and you will meet again. Uh, won't be for a long time yet, though. And I'll let you ride in my carriage again. I'll come for you in my carriage. Well, I hope that won't be for a long time yet, said Johnny. And the driver, he cracked his whip, and the horses set off. Well, then suddenly a thought occurred to Johnny, and he shouted after the coachman, Where is it that you're going in, Ballater? Going to the campsite, said Death. I'm going to the evening star. And off he went. It was like a dagger in Choney's heart. The evening star was his folk's caravan. Oh, he had to warn them. He had to get home as fast as he could. He must warn them that the angel of death was coming for them. And he ran like his life depended on it. Well, his parents did anyway. He knew that much. And he ran and he ran to the campsite. And when he got there, the sight that greeted him struck him with horror, because there was the evening star, his parents' caravan, his home, was ablaze. It was burning brightly. Now, people had gathered around it, but there was nothing that they could do. It was an inferno. Well, Chony burst into tears when he saw that. He screamed for his mother and father. And a voice behind him said, What's wrong with you, laddie? And he turned around. He recognized the voice. It was his mother. Oh, mother, he said, you're safe. And he hugged her. And she says, Aye, aye, I'm safe, laddie. What about father? Where is he? Ah, oh, your father's here. And sure enough, he comes wandering across as well and goes, Hello, laddie. No, don't worry. We're fine. But, but the angel of death was coming for you. <laughs> what do you mean, lad? So Johnny told them the whole story about where he'd been that evening and who had given him a left home. 
So, he said, the angel of death left empty-handed then. I mean, you're both fine, you're both well. Aye, we're fine, he said, but, you know, we were out when the fire started. But Princey, the wee dog, he was in the caravan, and I'm sorry, son, but he died in the blaze. And so, you see, the angel of death did not leave empty-handed after all.